Schmidt beer, the brew that grew to be best in the great Northwest. Your finest craft beer, Rocky. Man to man, smoke Roy Tan. Cheers, everyone, and welcome to the Unfiltered Gentlemen. And now, here are Greg, Scott, and Dan, coming at you ice cold and unfiltered. Hey, everybody, Greg here, the Unfiltered Gentleman. Another road trip means another brewery to stop at, and we are here at Jagged Mountain Brewing in Denver, Colorado. And I'm being joined by Alyssa Thorpe, head brewer and all-around main badass here at the brewery. Thank you for joining Thank you for having me. You're, you're quite famous on the Grams. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> apparently I am. <laughs> you have probably heard of her. You can find her on the Grams at Southern Beer Girl. And you were recently on the cover of New Brewer. So yeah. you're extra famous. So crazy. I feel like I'm in the presence of beer royalty. No, no, don't <laughs> think that. <laughs> can you knight me, sir, a beer drinker or something? <laughs> um, thanks for joining us. We, we have quite a few questions to get to. I want to talk about you as your as a brewer, your background in brewing and then how you kind of found your way here as a head brewer. But first, I want to know about you as a beer drinker, okay. which is kind of most important. That's how it all begins. Yeah, right. Before you were making beer, what was the first beer that made you go, uh, yep, this is me? Ooh, okay. It's got to be, honestly, it was Lindemann's. Lindemann's? Lindemann's. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I, I've always loved beer in general. Okay. Uh, when I first got legal drinking age sure. i was always that person who's like at the store doing mixed six packs of oh, like yeah. new beers that i could find i didn't know anything about craft beer i was just trying to you know find new stuff uh challenge myself i've always loved beer in general so but yeah it kind of started uh, with i went to flying saucer i used to live in texas okay uh so i went to flying saucer and they have this thing called hummingbird water okay which is a mixture i'm pretty sure it's a mixture of Lindemans and a cider. Interesting. Which was weird. And at the time, I was like, this shit is awesome. <laughs> and I drank it all the time. But that's how I really, I started researching Lindemans and, you know, where they were located and just honestly went from there. Uh, one of the craft breweries that I frequented in Texas was RAR, RAR and Sons. Okay. And they're pretty big in North Texas, Fort Worth area. So definitely started there. But really, my fascination with brewing came from when I moved to Denver about four and a half, five years ago. Okay. It's been a weird process. Yeah. So no brewing before Denver? No. Just drinking? Just drinking. <laughs> Research? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You were getting ready. Research, yeah. Uh, what was your gateway craft beer? So one of the first breweries that we visited here, which is around the corner from Jagged, is uh, Great Divide. Oh, yeah. Colette has been a longtime favorite of mine, which is uh, their Saison that they make. And still in my like top five favorite beers ever, that really kind of sparked that fascination with like, maybe I should explore this a little bit yeah. and kind of get into it. I think everyone there, or not there, but I think everyone has had a Yeti. If nothing oh, yeah. else. Yeah. It's like the most famous beer. Exactly. Coming out yeah. of Denver. What was the inspiration to make that jump from drinker to home brewer? So I was a vet tech for 10 years oh, um, wow. professionally, and I was getting really burned out. You know, it's, it's a really tough job. You work long hours, low pay. It's very emotional. Yeah. I love animals. And so it's like good and bad for that career. You know, it's a, it takes a toll on you after a while. So... I have always been really science-based, and I knew that I wanted to make a career change. I was initially going to school to get into microbiology. 
because I've always loved, you know, that area, like anything lab I've always been into. But I started kind of thinking maybe I don't really want to sit in a lab all day. I want to be more active and more in it. I, you know, as a vet tech, you're on your feet all day, you're doing the work. And so I kind of wanted to mix both of those worlds and utilize my creative side. Mm-hmm. Ever since I was a kid, I've always loved to draw and paint. Um, you know, I've always been super creative. I love to cook. I started homebrewing a little bit and won a few awards and decided to switch over from microbiology to going to Regis University. They have a craft beer program that they do. Okay. Um, so I just kind of transferred over into that, happened to have a lot of the prerequisites already. Um, so it worked out really well. That's perfect. And I would imagine being a vet tech is one of the few jobs where like you get attacked by your customers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you love them so much, but they also kind of want to bite you. Right. <laughs> that probably happens a whole lot less here. Yeah. Yeah. You, you get some Rockies fans. but other than that, Yeah. Yeah. The rabid Rockies fans. Right. So that's pretty much it. <laughs> I hear they're crazy. So we already talked about your day job. Uh, when did you actually start the homebrewing process? The homebrewing process is very shortly, probably like six months after I moved to Denver. You know, I didn't really know anybody here. I didn't have any friends at the time. Me and my now husband, uh, we're just kind of looking for something to do, just kind of a hobby to fill our weekends, you know, instead of going to every craft brewery in the, <laughs> in the area, which we also did. But Research. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was something that I could be creative in and i've always loved beer so i i was just like you know what let's find a you know a good home brewing system that we can brew on so we went on craigslist ended up buying like a hundred dollar set from this guy who was just like obviously had given up right uh he was like moving or something it so he's like please just take it you know yeah and it was like a five gallon setup converted igloo cooler like a turkey fryer pan <laughs> kind of thing. So it was very... Propane. It, yeah, yeah. And uh, we actually lived on the third story apartment oh, building geez. with an electric stove. I don't even know. Like looking back on it now, I'm like, how did I even do that? But made it work. And um, yeah, I really, really got into it. Started brewing a lot of lagers. I ended up going to GABF the first time for a Pro-Am beer that I did with Black Project which is a sour brewery, but I actually did a Bohemian Pilsner with them. Didn't win at the Pro-Am, but that's when I really got to see the relationships between all these brewers at the awards ceremony. And immediately I kind of knew that was a moment like, I want to be in this industry. Yeah. On that first brew on your electric stove, did you piss off any neighbors? Probably. I mean, okay, so our neighbors were like a bunch of frat boys. Oh, okay. So they loved it. Yeah, Like anytime we would have a new beer, we would invite them over and they're like, oh, this is awesome. (laughs) You know, they're drinking PBR every day, which is also a great beer. But no, they they were totally happy with it. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I remember my first homebrew electric stove, second floor, added the first hop edition. And all of a sudden I was like, oh shit, you can smell it all the way down the hall. (laughs) You can smell it outside. I was like, I did not know what I was in for. These neighbors are going to come knocking. I was so worried. That's perfect. Uh, All right. Speaking of beer, we have a few beers in front of us. Let's pick a beer. We got a Kolsch. We have Pale. We have a couple over here. What should we start with? Okay, so one of our flagship beers is uh, Sawatch IPA. Okay. So this is kind of a pretty unique IPA. The malt bill is more English. Um, it has a little bit of like more malty character. 
and then the hopping schedule is a is citrusy, more like uh, modern IPAs. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. It's yeah. a little bit complex and a lot different from most IPAs that you drink nowadays. Yeah, it has a similar malt taste to like some of the old school double IPAs. Yeah, without yeah. that big heaviness for sure, and a yeah. little citrusy. Yeah, it's definitely. Nice. It's a dry hops, a lot of late addition hops too. So you definitely have that citrus profile from mm-hmm. the hops, but you have the malt backbone to kind of support that. What's the ABV on that? It's higher. It's like six, seven, I think. Okay. Yeah. So it's pretty high for a, for an IPA. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's dangerous. It's a, it's slightly dangerous. It's sneak up on you. Because it's easy drinking, right? right? Exactly. So it goes down a, yeah. super fast. And it's got a, a little darker color than your standard IPA. Yeah. Lots of Munich malts. Mm-hmm. All right. Back to brewing. What was the process like going from home brewer to to pro? You know, going through school, finding a job, that sort of thing. I feel like that was my goal always. I started home brewing and I loved it. But when I soon realized that this was something that I wanted to do for a living, I kind of left home brewing by the wayside and was like very committed to doing professional stuff. Sorry, frat boys. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, guys. But I actually started at a very small craft brewery here in Denver that unfortunately has closed down. They were like a three-barrel brewery, um, super, super small. Started learning under that guy. He, you know, actually hired me on with having no experience just as a home brewer had been home brewing for about a year. So I definitely came out of the gate like, I want to learn how to professionally do this, you know, because I soon realized that brewing professionally and brewing homebrew is very different like i don't even know if i could go home and do a homebrew batch really? right now it's it's just so different you know there's a lot more mechanical things involved yeah kinda. i think one of the best examples that i've seen lately was uh, as we record this today you posted something on instagram where you were dumping the yeast into yeah. the tank and somebody on there asked the question like oh is this how you do it professionally do you dump the yeast first yeah. and then you bring in the war and i was like i didn't realize that they then did so yeah, yeah that's a huge yeah. word in homebrew it's like all right get your little packet out exactly dump it on top it's, shake it up a lot exactly it's very very different i actually like professional better mm-hmm. just because it's very structured you know what I mean? Like it's very set in the things that you do, but you can also still experiment and be creative at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just kind of went at it like running kind of thing. I, there wasn't a really big transition. It was just like, okay, I homebrew, but I want to professionally brew at the same time. So is it a little more nerve wracking when you're coming up with recipes? You're like, oh, I can mess this up and Definitely. here's a huge tank of crappy beer if yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. We're lucky here at Jagged Mountain. We have a one barrel pilot system. Oh, okay. A lot of the beers, like one that we have on now, the Hawaiian Shake, was actually a pilot batch that my assistant did. And it's nice with crazy beers like that. So it's like a black New England IPA with coconut and pineapple. Wow. Um, so you don't really know if it's going to work out or not. And if it doesn't, it's not that big of a deal. Right. It's one barrel, yeah. you know. Not um, a 10 barrel. Or... Yeah. So I would recommend to every brewery to have at least some sort of pilot system if they're going to experiment a lot like that. It's definitely a little bit ner- more nerve wracking, but if I know it's going to be a super weird recipe, I'll I'll make it on the one like barrel pineapple. first. Yeah. I don't think we've ever had a brewer, at least we never talked to one, that actually went through like a brewing program. What was that like? What's What's the process of going through school to become a brewer like? I decided to go to school because I assumed already that it was going to be hard for me to break into the industry. Mm-hmm. Being a, a female, 
And even, you know, three years ago, three, four years ago, it was even less than what we have now in terms of diversity in the industry. So to me, I was like, school can do nothing but help me in my career. So that was honestly the main goal. But after I started going, I really started learning a lot. I was already professionally brewing at the small brewery that I was at. Um, So I kind of had a grasp on, you know, the basic concepts But it was really beneficial. I can't say that it quite prepared me a lot for actually working in a brewery production wise, Mm -hmm. because it's a lot of like hands on. But it definitely gave me a great backdrop of knowledge in to, okay, why are we doing this? You know, so I don't know if school is for everybody, but it definitely helped me get into the industry a little bit easier. Interesting. And uh, so your first job was at that very small place that closed. Yeah. And then you found your way over, I think it was called Lone Pine? Lone Tree. Lone Tree. Lone there Pine's is a Lone Pine. Yeah. I was like, there's a Lone Pine <laughs> I think we've too. we've been there. <laughs> and you were an assistant there, right? Yeah. I was one. They didn't really have assistants. I, I, I was one of three brewers. Okay. Um, there was a head brewer and then two of us that were also brewers. But that was such an amazing experience for me. I literally learned everything I know from Lone Tree just because it was like, okay, now you're going to do everything in the brewery. You know, I did packaging, cellar work, brewing, everything. Um, nobody had a very, you know, specific job because we all just kind of worked together to make it work, you know. Yeah. And by the time I left, we were producing 4,000 barrels a year and packaging almost every day. That's pretty good. It was fast paced uh, and I learned a ton. It was good. That's awesome. Um, Let's move on to another beer. Yeah. What do you think? Okay. So this other one that I poured for you is called This Beer Really Ties the Room Together. Okay. Very excited for this (laughs) one. It is a blonde stout that we use local coffee from Ozo Coffee Roasters over in Boulder and then cocoa nibs in it too and a a touch of lactose. I like it because I actually made this about 20 IBUs. So it's super balanced. It's not too sweet. Like you expect with a lot of blonde stouts, the coffee is very present. And then the cocoa nibs kind of just round everything out. Uh, I really enjoy this beer and people love this because it's kind of a mind bender, right? You look at it, it's blonde, clear. You don't expect it to taste like that, but it it has a great body, uh, great mouthfeel. It's it's a good one. Yeah, I'm loving all the blonde stouts. This one is phenomenal. It smells like you stuck your nose in some cold brew. I know. It's insane, And right? then, yeah, you get a lot of coffee up front, a little bit of cocoa on the end. Yeah. Like, it's not like a, a sweet stout or like a... No. Anything like yeah. That. Nothing yeah. desserty. Yeah. This is like, I could drink this on a hot day and be just fine. Exactly. And I wanted it to be kind of that transitional beer. Like, you can drink it any time of the year and it's appropriate. And uh, honestly, we've worked a lot with Ozo Coffee and they we select different coffee roasts every single time so it's not it's not the same beer every time you come in there's always going to be a different roast even the cocoa nibs i like to change up a lot because you can get those from different regions too it's always something different but the same base so instead of your rotating hop series it's your rotating bean series pretty much that's awesome that is phenomenal thanks is that year round right now we're making it year round just because people love it yeah uh but it's not officially a, a flagship unofficially year round uh, unofficial official flagship yeah. if i could like put a little suggestion card in the suggestion box that says make that year round yeah yes please okay <laughs> uh, you talked about how you love to cook do you think that helps you as a brewer absolutely i think it definitely does um with cooking you know you're always adjusting your recipe 
to your own taste and just being kind of adaptive like that to make something better and to always be working on it, I think is really important in brewing too. What is unique about your beer, not just Jack and Mountain, but yours? Like, do you have a certain focus that you're always trying to go on or a certain style? You know, are you all about balance? Are you all about drying? You know, some people have their own thing. What's your thing? Honestly, I just want to make extremely drinkable beer. I personally love to drink lagers. So I, I love to make lagers, but I also have the creative side of me that likes to brew crazy beers with like, we had one a few months ago that was a cherry blossom goza where I imported Ooh. cherry blossoms from Japan, added salt and all these like interesting characters in it. So I pride myself on having a really big diverse menu. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have 20 taps here. So it gives me the freedom to do that. But everything I try to make extremely drinkable, approachable, like anybody who comes into the bar, they're going to find something that they enjoy. Yeah. Is it a bit of a challenge to keep up with all 20? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a <laughs> bit of a challenge. <laughs> um, we're a Tinborough brew house and we have five fermenters. Okay. Um, so especially if you're making two lagers at a time, sure. like I am now, uh, it is a bit of a struggle to find the space to keep up with everything. And uh, especially having the Rocky Stadium literally right on the corner, paying attention to that schedule has been <laughs> a, a, been a, lear- a learning curve, um, knowing when, okay, Rockies are going to be in town, we're going to run out of beer this day kind of thing. Right. So it's, it's, uh, it's been fun, though. Have you found trends with like certain visiting teams that gets more rowdy or anything? I tend not to hang out in the tap room when there's a baseball game Smart. just because it gets insane because you don't have to and i don't have to and i try to stay out of the bartender's way they know what they're doing a lot more than i do so sure yeah i just let them you know do what they do best and try to stay out of their way smart <laughs> smart so going from sort of assistant now to you're running the place what was that transition like it was it was a lot more uh computer work than i thought it would okay. be <laughs> A lot more scheduling. Honestly, it's been amazing just being able to sit at the bar and realizing that everyone around me is drinking a beer that I made from, you know, grain to glass kind of thing um, is incredible. And that's honestly what I've wanted since day one. It's a lot more responsibility and I'm definitely a lot more stressed now than I was (laughs) like seven months ago. But for all the right reasons, right. you know, I, I love every second of it and I'm stressed all the time, but in a good way. Yeah. And yeah. your stress produces a great beer. Exactly. So it works out. Yeah. What are some of the challenges that you face coming up in the industry? Uh, I don't know. I think it, for me, it's being an example um, to a lot of people. I have found my kind of my voice in social media via Southern Beer Girl. So just trying to inspire more people, uh, especially women, to get into this industry um, or just really encouraging diversity in general in in the brewing industry, whether it be your brewing or your front of house or sales or whatever. I mean, we we obviously need that. Um, So that's not necessarily a challenge, like a welcome challenge. And now you're a bit of a, I hate this word, influencer i do too yeah but that's what you know that's what it is so does that add any more pressure to it i mean it's it's a pressure that i i created um so it's kind of like being a head brewer like i i love it but it's also more stress at the same time it's like welcome stress i i'm glad that 
I am able to have this platform where I can encourage people, but at the same time, it is a lot of pressure. You know, I'm, I'm just me every day. And if I get criticized for being me, it's, I take it much more to heart. You know, I'm not trying to be a personality. I'm not trying to be someone who I'm not. Uh, So when somebody criticizes me for that, it's a, it's a little bit more of a blow, but at the same time, I am on the other side of that inspiring people. I get messages from women around the world saying that they, you know, are inspired by me to get, get into brewing. And that's just incredible. Yeah. And, uh, you just got back from a trip to Chile. Yeah. What was that all about? Um, so I got a message literally two weeks before I left, uh, for this conference that they had in Puerto Varas, Chile. Um, it was like their version of a craft brewers conference. Okay. And they had a American brewer drop out last minute. One of the members of this conference had been following me for a while. And he was like, hey, uh, I don't know if you're interested, but would you like to come to Chile and talk about New England IPAs? And I was just like looking at my schedule. <laughs> I'm like, I really want to go to Chile, so we'll make it work. It was kind of crazy initially. Like I had to come up with a presentation in two weeks, but... It was an incredible experience. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Me- and just meeting people from the industry in a completely different country is really fascinating, too. Their industry is just now blooming. They're all kind of just now really getting into it. There's a couple of breweries opening up, you know, mm-hmm. every year. It's interesting to see that perspective compared to America, where we've been in it for a while, right? Yeah. There's In Denver, there's hundreds of breweries. You can walk a mile down the street and go to one. Uh, whereas there, they're like really trying to dig deep into quality and they're, you know, setting a standard at this point. So not saying this derogatory towards them, but they're they're a little behind us in the crappier side. For sure. I mean, they're more more wine based country yeah. traditionally. But yeah, they're definitely getting into it. That's for sure. So were you kind of the standout as like the female brewer there who's talking in front of a crowd of kind of a behind there scene. is actually a r- impressive amount of female brewers in Chile, really? which I found amazing. There's a lot. I don't know what their social stuff is like right now, sure. but I felt like there were a lot of uh, really strong women there and a lot of really strong lady brewers. Um, so that was another incredible facet of that whole trip was just meeting with these women. I actually met with one lady who had just won a gold medal at world beer awards. Okay. Um, and she was like celebrating and it was, it was incredible. That's yeah. awesome. What are some of the more ridiculous reactions or comments that you've received? Honestly, it's always just doubt that bothers me the most. I think like if I just get a ridiculous comment, I, I kind of ignore it, Right. but it's mostly like, Oh, like the, always a surprise whenever I tell somebody I'm a brewer it's always like, oh, really? I, I would have never expected that kind of thing. Like, they're always like, good for you, kind of. Like a little pat on the back. I, yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, okay, really? Yeah. I, I don't know. I've gotten a lot of crazy comments in the past, but. Well, I'm sure you get your fair share of creeps and all that stuff. But. For sure. And actually a lot less than, uh, than people think. Oh, good. Um, which is good. Social media is a strange place. Yes, yes. And people will say a lot of things to you that they wouldn't say in person. Oh, yeah. Everyone's a hero behind that keyboard. Yeah, yeah. I've realized that I have to be careful with posting pictures of my feet in it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who would have thought? I, I didn't. 
I guess as someone who's not into that sort of thing, you don't think like this could yeah. raise some awareness. I, I got like multiple comments and multiple messages just wow. on. Yeah, it was uh, it's strange. All right. It's well, really strange. Closed toed <laughs> shoes for you. <laughs> wow. I don't even know how to move on from that. What are some of your uh, inspirations when you're coming up with the recipes? How do you come up with a new beer? With the cherry blossoms specifically, I went to Japan last year, last nice. October. Um, so I've always been I inspired a lot by food, culinary stuff, especially ingredients that don't necessarily grow here okay. in Colorado. And inspired by also using local stuff. All of our yeast is local. Uh, like 90% of the grain usage is local. We've made a couple of beers that are all Colorado ingredients, oh, cool. uh, which I really enjoy. Just supporting the community is really important to me. And just being creative. A lot of beers, honestly, I brew them because that's what I want to drink. Makes sense. And it tends to work out well, so, and everybody else wants to drink them too, so that's <laughs> good. Yeah. So apparently you have good taste. I, I like to think so. <laughs> yeah. What was the first beer you made here at Jagged Mountain? Um, it was a, Okay, so the first beer I brewed was a Maybach, okay. uh, which is a spring lager. Um, I brewed Delicious. that, but it spent like two and a half months in a tank. So it wasn't the first beer that was released. I think the first beer that I brewed and that was released was probably this beer really ties the room together, oh. uh, which actually wasn't my original recipe. Um, it was a beer that they had already been brewing, but I definitely tweaked it a lot. I adjusted the hops, the grain bill. I cut down the lactose a lot, so it wasn't as sweet. So it, it's... Not original, but still mine at the same time. Right. Yeah. You improved it. I like to think so. Yeah. yeah. Do you get to name the beers? I do, but I try to make it a community effort. Um, it's really hard to name beers, especially when you're coming out with a new beer like every couple weeks. Sure. Like I just run out of ideas. Well, do you guys can it all or, or package? Uh, we do crowlers. Okay. And occasionally we bottle. Because everything I've always heard is like, name it whatever you want, unless you're going to package it, yeah. then make it like two words. Exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't conflict with anybody else's names right. or anything. Just but... call it IPA so you don't get sued. Yeah. Yeah. And so it fits on a can. Uh, what's your favorite name of any beer you've named? <laughs> Probably this beer really ties the room together. I didn't name that actually, but um, I'm trying to think of another one that we did. I like Big Red Rock because that's local. It's yeah. referring to Red Rock's amphitheater, which you haven't been to see a show there it's that you can see any show a band that you've never even seen before and it's going to be the best experience of your life it's just that incredible so um that really meant a lot to me really it's just i don't know it just most of the time we have fun naming beers you know yeah. we try to come up with something fun usually it's a group effort and beer yeah. naming party yeah exactly that's awesome uh, all right, let's talk about another beer in this. Okay, so Big Red Rock, since we were just talking about that. Um, so this is a super interesting beer. So one of our bartenders, I was, I was actually taking suggestions for types of beers that it, we should make. And one of our bartenders was like, hey, I really like a cream ale that was kind of styled after Big Red. Oh. Which Big Red was like good for me because I grew up in Texas and Big Red, like I drank that shit all the time when I was little. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, we'll kind of take that on. But she wanted it to be a lager, like a cream, well, like a, maybe a hybrid, like a lighter right. beer, but red at the same time. So I used this malt called Red X, which is, in my understanding, a Pilsner malt that is colored. Um, so, it's, so you can use it as 100% of your grain bill, like a base malt. Okay. 
uh, but it'll still give you like this beautiful red color. So we brewed this, I think it was like 80% red X, uh, 20% flaked corn okay. uh, to, for that cream ale kind yeah. of flavor. Uh, we fermented it with like a lager hybrid yeast. And it didn't really come out as like creamy, like cream ale creamy as I thought it would be. So we kind of rebranded it or renamed it as like a red lager instead okay. of a red cream ale. Because I think people, when they hear cream ale, they expect a cer- certain flavor profile. Um, and it just didn't really have that as much. So yeah, red cream ale. But it, it's a super interesting beer. And I can't say that I've had a lot of red lagers before. No, I don't think so. First time using that malt and it's it was a good experience. Yeah, were you happy with it? I love it. I mean, I'm drinking it right now, so I love <laughs> it's it. It's true. So it can't be too bad. Yeah. Uh, what is a brewery pet peeve of yours? Ooh, two things that I always look for every time I go into a brewery is yeast health. Okay. You can always tell like if their yeast isn't healthy, if their beer hasn't attenuated out, or if they're just like generally not taking care of their yeast. You can always tell. And uh, carbonation. It's such an easy thing. I mean, we say it's easy, but it's actually a lot of like math and numbers involved. But if your carbonation isn't on point, you can have a great beer. And if the carb isn't there, then it's, you know, it can bring down the whole thing. So nothing like having a flat pale ale. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What about Jagged Mountain drew you in? I have been coming here for a really long time, even before I was a brewer. Every time before a baseball game, I always came here. I loved their Pilsner for the longest time. Like, that's all I drank every time I came in. I had always loved how they have a little bit of a mixture between traditional beers Mm -hmm. and really creative stuff. That draws me in as a brewer because that's basically what I like to brew. And honestly, the bartenders have always been just amazing, super friendly extremely welcoming i've yeah. always felt like this is a home with in the middle of a city which is hard to find because we are literally in the middle of downtown oh yeah um, the heart of downtown exactly stadiums right there exactly but it still feels like a very local place yeah which i love yeah i was a little surprised we walked in and, and, and like you said we're in the middle of downtown parking was uh interesting yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like oh it's kind of nice in here yeah it's this just super like relaxed yeah exactly we're not uh pretentious at yeah, all I was, I was gonna say douchey but yeah, yeah not approachable douchey. and i i love that i love the friendly atmosphere that we have we're not you know trying to be someone that we're not right come in for some good beer exactly i love it um all right let's talk about the kolsch yeah for sure so the Kolsch is a super, super simple beer. Um, I really brewed this for the baseball fans. As I told you guys earlier, they were drinking a lot of our Pilsner, which German lagers take forever to make and yep. to lager. So I wanted to make something that was a little bit faster, but still super simple, really easy drinking. So we did the Kolsch, which is basically just Pilsner malt, a little bit of carafoam, uh, fermented with Kolsch yeast, and that's it. Nice and simple. Yeah, a little bit of Hallertau middle for a hops, just to kind of balance it out a little bit. But it's crushable, has a great fermentation character from the yeast that we use. Yeah, it's it's a good one. It's super clean. And I think my favorite quality of it is sometimes you get cultures that are a little sweet. Yeah. This is not sweet. No. Like sometimes you get, it's like, oh, this is 
too, sugary too much. Or, yeah. 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 Tastes like it was bottle conditioned with all that sugar exactly. in there. Exactly. This is not that at all. Yeah. And I love dry beer. So I try to always, always make dry beer no matter what the style. Even this beer really ties the room together. Even though it has a perception of sweetness, that beer usually finishes out pretty dry. Oh, yeah. It's very clean for having the coffee yeah. and the chocolate and all that stuff in there. Uh, what sort of production are you guys turning out here at Jagged Mountain? I think last year what they did before I started was around 850 barrels okay. a year. I'm hoping this year we'll top out at 900, but we'll see. You guys see we don't have a really anywhere to expand. Kind of this is it. Yeah, yeah. There's talks about maybe opening a second place, but it's no... No rush. We're really focused on being hyper local, really just serving our beers over the counter. Right. Making that personal connection. We do a few like distribution stuff. Every once in a while we'll have kegs on certain places, but we're definitely not focusing on distribution, that's for sure. Makes sense. Uh what's the new trend in beer? You know, for a while it was hazies. I mean still kinda hazies, but lager I like to think is the next trend. And I think people have realized how actually complex they are to make starting to appreciate it a exactly bit. like when you're just starting out with beer you're drinking like budweiser and like lagers are the initial thing that started you in beer and you're like oh whatever budweiser is crap or something right but it's actually really difficult to make and takes a lot of time and it's super simple and if there's a flaw in it you're gonna know yeah you know so i think people are drawn to that aspect of the technical side of it. Yeah, I think stuff like Budweiser gave lagers a bad name for so long. For sure. And then once people started making craft lagers, like, oh, these are actually really good. Oh, they're okay. super hard yeah. to make. And honestly, uh, it probably makes you appreciate Budweiser a little bit more. It does. Once you know what goes into it. Definitely. The yeah. fact, I mean, whether you like it or not, most people don't, I think. But yeah. the fact that they can make it taste the same all the time, that's pretty is impressive. It's impressive, yeah. right? Yeah. Don't get me wrong, like ABI is. Yeah, the I'm devil, not buying anything. But, <laughs> but I mean, it is impressive the operation that they have going on. You yeah. Know? What are your thoughts on hard seltzers? Okay, so we've made small batch hard seltzers here. Okay. My assistant actually brewed like three different versions of a hard seltzer. And I actually thought it was going to go over super well, seeing how we have a great baseball crowd, but it really didn't sell as good really? as I thought it would. I think it's a good option to have. It's kind of like we have kombucha, too. Okay. You know, it's a it's a good thing to have for people who are gluten-free or don't necessarily like beer. But in terms of competing with craft beer, I don't know if that will ever be a subject that, you know, we approach. I think they're just fine to drink, especially yeah. if you're looking for something low-carb or whatever. I drink hard... Like, yeah. I like them. We got them in the fridge. We got yeah. a Costco pack of Truly in the fridge right now. Exactly. The only thing I don't like about them is that they put them in the same category as craft beer. Yeah. When we're talking about sales. It's like, well, it's kind of not beer. It's not the same. At all. Yeah. I mean, it's literally just water, sugar, fermented, and then you put whatever fruit right. flavoring you want into it afterwards. So there's really no, like... No grains, no hops. Yeah, you're not really being like super technical with a recipe build out. Like right. it's not it's not as creative. Like you're just literally doing this one thing and adding whatever flavor you want into it. Fermenting so. simple syrup. Exactly. Yeah. Flavor, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's definitely not a competitor with craft beer and I don't think it'll ever be. Right. I think it's a way to draw people in. I can see that. 
What kind of yeast do you use when you make a hard seltzer? So you want like a super attenuating yeast. Like we use champagne yeast or you okay. can use distiller's yeast. Anything that's really going to take out like 100% of the sugar. Makes sense. Yeah. So that's how they get it out to like one carb because it's all sugar water. Yeah, and exactly. And it finishes up and it's one gram of carbs. Like how did you do that? Exactly. Uh, yeah. Now it makes sense. Uh, all right. We got some rapid fire questions to get to. But first, talk about this pail. Ooh. Okay. So... This pale ale I purely made for myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's super simple. It's just base two row grain, a little bit of carafoam, and then all Cascade hops. I'm a huge fan of Cascade. That's another one of those hops that is kind of has been an OG in America for a while. Got kind of hated on for a while, and now it's coming back as it's just super traditional, super clean. Yeah. Super I just, crushable. Exactly. Yeah. It, this is one of those beers that I I wanted to take a beer shot of, you know, right. like at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I love this beer and it's almost out, actually. Oh, and no. I don't know if I'm going to make it again. Why not? Oh, my God. Please. I know. Another one of those suggestions in the suggestion box. Suggestion box. Yeah. Okay. Another, Got it. Another round of this would be great. <laughs> Stop buying our way out of town. Yeah. All right. So we have rapid fire questions. First thing that comes to your mind, don't think about it too long. Okay. First beer you ever drank. Lindemann's. <laughs> that's not the first beer i ever drank i'm bad at this thing is it pbr okay i think it was a uh, land shark actually oh okay mexican lager yeah 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 i think we've all had one of those first beer you ever brewed pale ale first beer you brewed and sold Ooh, i think it was a coffee stout nice favorite style to brew lager cans or bottles cans favorite beer food pairing god probably like a super clean pale with like a steak okay <laughs> it's tuesday night what are you drinking lager <laughs> what is your beercation destination Ooh, i would really love to go to germany at some point nice yeah favorite outside so non jagged mountain beer uh beer stat slow pour pills okay favorite non-beer hobby i guess i like to hike a lot yeah hiking great, great place for hiking i know yeah colorado favorite guilty pleasure beer probably yeti okay yeti is Probably like heavy, like guilty pleasure. Yeah. And your favorite word or slang for being drunk? <laughs> uh, getting sloshed. I like it. <laughs> we haven't gotten that one yet. Very nice. Everybody, if you're in Denver, come on over to Jagged Mountain Brewing, especially if you're on your way to a Rockies game. Come uh, tap them out of their colch. You can find them at 1139 20th Street in Denver. And of course, uh, jaggedmountainbrewery.com on the social medias, Jagged Mountain cb and of course you can find Alyssa on the instagrams at southern beer girl have i missed anything i think you got it thank you so much thank you so much for having me this is awesome cheers for the great beer cheers thank you one last time to Alyssa for having us in there spending the time and sharing some of her really really good beer with us if there's one thing i can say about jagged mountain it's that you know sometimes you walk into a small brewery that you've never been to and it can be a little hit or miss you might be a little afraid to to order the whole menu this was not the case at Jagged Mountain. Literally everything we tried was really good. We even got to try the Hawaiian shake that she talked about after the show. It's the black New England IPA with coconut and pineapple. And was it weird? Yes. But was it good and work in some strange way? Yes, I would drink it again. I did not find one beer there that I would not have over and over again, which is not something you can always say about small local breweries. So I highly encourage you to go check out Jagged Mountain. Go say hi to Alyssa. They're right across from Rockies Stadium. 
1139 20th Street in Denver, downtown Denver there. You can find them on the interwebs, jaggedmountainbrewery.com. They're on Instagram and Twitter at jaggedmountaincb and Facebook at jaggedmountain. And of course, if you're not already, follow Alyssa at Southern Beer Girl. All one word, Southern Beer Girl. Though I have a feeling you're already following. And follow us at The Unfiltered Gentleman, except for Twitter at Unfiltered Gents. You can find us at theunfilteredgentleman.com. And don't forget to drunk dial us, 805-538-BEER. It's 2337. I hope everyone is staying very well hydrated. And on that note, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.